I invite all of you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. And we're going to start in verse 13, which is kind of in the middle of things there. While you're turning there, I want for us to recognize and celebrate one last group of workers on this last Sunday of our sermon series on work, Working for the Lord. We've done this each week. This last group of workers is one that I've mentioned every week in this series, but haven't yet asked for them to stand. This is the group of workers who are not employed. That is to say, those who work, who are called to work, but don't do their work for compensation. They don't have a job with a capital J. So this is all of the students. We've said each week that the second, third, and fourth graders and up are workers and should do your work as unto the Lord. So I want all the students to stand. And this is all the retired people. If you haven't stood already for a field of work, this is your time. You continue to work. I remember Blair Murray used to say he was so busy, he didn't have time to have a job. And this is for all of the folks who are unemployed right now. You are looking for work and that is your work. And this is also for those who are disabled and unable to work for compensation right now. You might not even be able to stand today, but we recognize you anyway. I think of Amy Merritt and Tammy Beveridge, of your faithful service and work in our community. Because when it comes to our work, contribution is much more important than compensation. Contribution is much more important than compensation. So all of you workers who are not compensated for your work, I'd like you to stand now and be recognized and celebrated. Thank you for your contribution to our community and to the common good. Your work matters. God cares about it, whether you get paid or not. Your work can be hard, I know. Do your best. Your work is to be worship. Your work is working out your discipleship. Your work matters to God. All of you, thank you. Well done. Good job. And that's what today's message is about. It's about hearing that commendation, that good job. Job well done. Not from me and not from you but from the Lord when He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Our key verse all fall has been Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. I hope that we have it memorized. Here's a, here it is again with some blanks for some helps. Let's say it together one more time. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the it is the Lord Christ you're serving. Good. And so what do you want your Master Messiah, your Lord Christ, to say to you when your work is all over and done? Today's message is entitled, Faithful Work. And it comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 13 through 30, which is part of what the Bible scholars commonly call the Olivet Discourse. That long, 
teaching segment of Matthew chapters 24 and 25, where the Lord Jesus on the Mount of Olives taught his disciples about the end times, about the end of the world, and about his return, the second coming of Christ. The theme that keeps repeating throughout this section of the Olivet Discourse is that Jesus' disciples should live in constant expectation and readiness and watchfulness because we do not know when Jesus will return. Jesus has said something like that many times in chapter 24. Verse 36, verse 42, verse 44, verse 50. It's a refrain that keeps on running through the chapter. And then in this chapter, chapter 25, Jesus tells three stories to illustrate the principle. Our story for today is the middle story of the three. But the point of all of them is that we should be watchful and ready for the return of Jesus Christ. The first story ends with verse 13, which serves as a bridge into our story for today, where it says, Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour. Let's pray together. And then we can fully jump into God's holy word. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this whole sermon series, this whole fall, which culminates in this message. We put a cap on it. We tie it up with a bow on it. Help us, Lord, to see our work as worship. Whatever our work is, whether we're paid for it or not. And Lord, help us to be faithful in it until we go to You or You come for us. This is our prayer and we pray it in the name of the Prince of Peace that we've heard read about and we've sung about and now we pray in His name. Friends, we are living in the last days. We are living in the last days. We are closer than ever to the return of of Jesus Christ. Now, I am not saying that we are living in the last of the last days. I don't know that. Sometimes it feels that way though, doesn't it? Especially with the headlines that we read in the newspaper. Some of you have asked me recently to do more teaching on the end times because it feels like we might be in them. You may have noticed that two of our three link groups have been studying. One, one's been studying Revelation. One's been studying Daniel. We're interested in this. We know that Christians throughout history have felt the same way we do. That their generation may be living in the last of the last days. And we also know that the Lord Jesus told us specifically to not be setting dates. And and that things like false messiahs, wars and rumors of wars, famines and earthquakes and all kinds of bad things like that do not tell us that the end has arrived. Jesus made that very point in chapter 24. All of those sorts of things that we feel and see must happen. He says, but the end is still to come. They are the beginning of the birth pains, not the end. So verse 13 again, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. We do know that the Bible calls this time that we are living in now between the first advent of Christ, which we celebrate here, And the second advent of Christ, which Jesus is teaching about in Matthew 24 and 25, the last days, or the last hour. Hebrews 1-2, James 5-3, 2 Peter 3-3, 1 John 2-18, all have this same message, we are living in the last days. 
and have been since the New Testament. The days between Jesus' first coming, Christmas, and His second coming. And just because of the passing of time, we know that we are closer now than we have ever been to the return of Christ. And the question is then, how are we supposed to live while we wait for His return? How are we supposed, as believers in Jesus Christ, as His disciples, how are we supposed to live now while we wait for His return? Verse 13 again. Therefore, keep watch. Because you do not know the day or the hour. That's how we're supposed to live, keeping watch. Ready for His return. Ready and waiting. Expectant. Anticipatory. Longing. Leaning towards it. Ready for Jesus to return. That's what it means to keep watch. But, this watchfulness is not at all supposed to be passive. While we are waiting for the return of Christ, we're not supposed to just lean back and lay around. It's not that kind of waiting. It's not like waiting at the bus stop. Or at the airport terminal. Nothing's happening. You're just sitting there until your ride comes. Some people in the Bible were like that. There were men at a city called Thessalonica who had quit their jobs and were just waiting around because they thought the return of Christ was right around the corner. Well, Jesus is coming back soon, so I'm just going to get my easy chair and wait for it to happen. In the 19th century, some people thought they knew the day or the hour of Christ's return and they gave away their possessions and just waited around to be taken up. Beam me up, Jesus. I'm ready. Here we go. And then it didn't happen. Those people are called the Millerites and they experienced what is called the great disappointment because the date came and Jesus did not come for them. And what, what happened to them? Well, they had given away all their stuff. They didn't have anything left. How disorienting would that be? You can see why it's called the great disappointment. What did Paul tell those men at Thessalonica who were acting like that? Get a job. That's what he told them. He told them, get to work. This being ready and keeping watch is not a passive thing like waiting for the bus. It's an active thing. There are things that we are to be doing while we are waiting. Things like work. Here's point number one of three this morning. You and I are entrusted. We are entrusted. We are given a job to do. Multiple jobs, really. Callings. Look at verse 14 and listen to this story Jesus tells. Therefore keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. Again, Another story to illustrate the point. It, the kingdom, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Now Jesus is telling a parable. And it's not a parable that's all that hard to interpret, at least its main points. There's a man, and he's going on a journey. Who who does he stand for in that story? Jesus himself, right? Okay, He knows he's going to die, he's going to come back to life, he's going to ascend to the Father. Someday he's going to return. He's the man going on the journey. 
And there are these servants. Who are they? They are us. They are people. And then there are these talents of money. Now, that's a little bit confusing because a talent in Greek is a unit of money measurement, not our gifts and special abilities like how we use the word talent in English. And it's really confusing because we actually get our word talent in English from this word in this story. Okay? Uh, it, it, it's, it, it's, that's why it's confusing because we all have these gifts that God has given us. We call them talents after these piles of money. Okay? So you kind of have to follow that. It's a little confusing to get there. The 2011 NIV actually just calls them bags of gold, which is, I think, very helpful for getting this picture of what's going on here. Okay? Because this was, in this story, a whole lot of money. One talent or one bag of gold was equivalent to 20 years' wages for a day laborer. Okay, so that's, I'm not good at math, but that's, that's a pile of, of change, right? Um, so take a day laborer, what, what a guy might make working really hard in a day, and then multiply that times 20 years of days. That's one talent, okay? That, that's, a, that's a big chunk of change. In this story, the master leaves five of those for one servant, two for another, and one for another. Why? It says, each according to his ability. The master has a good idea of what each one could handle. And so he entrusted that amount to each one. Now, what do these bags of gold in this story stand for? In real life? Well, I think that they are everything and anything that the Lord has entrusted to us. They are anything and everything that the Lord has entrusted to us. So they are what we call our talents, how we use that word, our gifts and abilities. And they are our money, which we are supposed to be stewards of, money managers for God. You remember a few years ago we did that sermon series on money where we just emphasized that we are money managers for God. Anything in your bank account belongs to God. It's yours on loan, right? And you're to manage it according to God's heart for that money. These talents are also our assignments in life, including our jobs, our callings that we have received, what we've been talking about all fall. These talents in the story are the gifts and assignments that the Lord has entrusted to us to manage and do while we wait for his return. So put your job in that word when you see it there. Whenever you see that bag of money or that word talent, five, two, or one, put your job, whatever it is, or whatever they are, in that blank. You have been entrusted with your work. It's your assignment right now. And the Lord has put it in your hands to manage until He calls you to another job or until your work on earth is done or until He returns. Now, a couple things to notice about this. First, notice that we are to expect some kind of delay. The Master goes off on a journey and doesn't come back right away. Some people think that because the New Testament emphasizes expect expectancy that nobody in the New Testament could have guessed that it would be some time until Jesus came back. Just because the Bible calls us to be ready at any time doesn't mean that the apostles made a mistake in thinking that it was going to be soon. 
right here, the Master goes on a long journey. tells us He's gone a long time. And it will be long enough for the servants to do something with that money that He's left for them. To invest and to put to work. There's time for productivity. I don't think we should be surprised that Jesus has not yet returned. Peter says that He's being patient and giving more people more time to repent. On the other hand, this doesn't mean that He isn't coming back real soon. We don't know when. So we need to be ready. Which means staying busy with what He's entrusted to us. See how perfectly He set it up? I mean, if you knew exactly when, then you'd be like, I'm going to sit back until the last minute, right? Maybe you're not like me. That's what I would do. Or if He said, it's going to be a long time, you know, don't worry about it, right? Don't be ready. Then I would also just kind of procrastinate and do whatever because, you know, He's been gone 2,000 years. It might be another 1,000, right? But He set it up perfectly to say, you don't know when, so stay busy. Second, we shouldn't get jealous of other people's gifts and abilities. Some get five bags of gold, some two, some one. But everyone gets something to do. And it's based on how God sees things working the best. So we shouldn't be despising someone who has a different calling than we do. Don't look around the room and envy the people who stood a different week than you stood in this series. Or don't look down on the people who stood a different week than you did. They have a different calling. Just do what God calls you to do. Just be grateful to have been entrusted with what God has put in your hands to manage at this time. And be faithful with it. That's the point of the story. Verse 16. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And now we can see where this story is going. How many kinds of workers are there? How many kinds of workers are there? Two. Okay, good. There's faithful and unfaithful, right? How many faithful workers are there in this story? Two, right. How many unfaithful workers in this story? How many were entrusted? Three. That's right. Good. Everybody's been given a job to do. And the question is not whether or not we have a job, but whether or not we're going to be faithful with it. Now, of course, I think this applies directly to evangelism, with sharing the gospel while we wait for Christ to return. It applies directly to missions, to spreading the gospel, those folks across the back on the wall back there that we support and pray for. And it applies to all kinds of church work, building the church around the Gospel. We need to be faithful to do those things that God has called us to do. The first application of this is a call to faithfulness in Gospel ministry and disciple making. But what have we learned all about this fall? We've learned that it's all ministry, right? That our work is discipleship. That our work is worship. We've learned that our work is entrusted to us by our Master. It is the Lord Christ you are serving when you are doing your day job. 
So it's all kingdom work in some way. And the question is whether or not we're going to be faithful at doing it because we are all entrusted. Do you feel that? Do you feel the weight of that? I hope that we've been wrapping our minds around and getting our hearts in that this fall. God has entrusted us with a job to do. And He cares whether or not we do it. And He cares how we do it. Do we do it in the way that He wants it done? Everything that we've talked about this fall, this is the 13th message in this series. 13 weeks of talking about how God cares about our work and how He cares how we do our work. And it all boils down to this. Will we be faithful or not? You know, it's funny. We tend to think that if this is the end times, then what we need to do is freak out. Right? It's the end times! Woo! Vote a certain way! Stock up on canned goods and dry foods. Fill your basement with guns. But Jesus said that when the end is drawing near, we should just stay busy about His business and faithfully do our jobs. If the end is near, then here's what you should do. Get up and go to work. How do you want your Master to find you when He returns? Huddled? Scared? Or confidently doing what He has said you ought to do? I don't know about you, but I want to be working at what He told me to do when He comes back. Because, number two, we will be held accountable. Look at verse 19. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. Those are sobering words. If we understand this parable right, those are sobering words. There will be a time of accountability for our performance with what He has entrusted to us. We said all fall. He cares. Well, He cares enough to hold us accountable for it. Do you have a performance review where you work? That's one nice thing about not working for compensation, right? A lot fewer, when you're retired, there's a lot fewer performance reviews, right? I have a performance review every year done by our elders. And I do one for Maryland every year. But this is the ultimate performance review. Are you ready for it? After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. He's going to come back and say, what did you do with what I left in your hands? How did you invest your life? Your gifts and your assignments. Were you faithful or not with your work? Verse 20. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Performance review. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. I did the math. That's a 100% return on his investment. That's awesome. The master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Second guy. 
The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. Now I did the math on this. This is also a 100% return on his investment. It's very good. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Here's point three. We will be rewarded. We will be rewarded if we are faithful. If we are faithful, then we will experience God's reward. Don't you just love those words in verse 21 and verse 23? I remember getting to read them a few weeks ago at at Blair's memorial service. I longed to hear them said of me someday, well done, good and faithful servant. You know, just that would be reward enough to receive the commendation of our Lord Jesus Christ with a good job. Well done. But there's more, isn't there? Right here, there's more than just commendation. There is somehow more responsibility. What's he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Those little talents I put in your hands. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I think that points to the way things will work in the future, in the kingdom, and in the new heavens and the new earth. Remember, there will still be work in the consummation. We learned about this back in September. There will be work in the future in in the new heavens and the new earth. There will be work, but it will be work without the curse. Doesn't that sound good? Can't wait to work without the curse. Where we're not fighting against the curse in everything that we do. Work, but no toil. Work with no groaning. All groaning will be gone, but contribution will not. Work will still be here. We'll still be contributing in the kingdom. And if we are faithful now with the few things the Lord has given us to do, then we will get more and better to do then. I don't know how that works, but it sounds glorious. Isn't that a great incentive to faithfulness right now? If you have an incentive program where you work, you know, if you do this, you get this. If you do this, you get that. God has an incentive program for our work too. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. And let's have a company party. Come and share your master's happiness. Now again, notice that the reward is the same for both the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy. We should not assume that because someone has a big job to do here on earth, that they'll experience more blessing in the life to come. That's up to God. What we can expect based on just this parable is that if we are faithful with our job as someone else's with theirs, we can both expect the same commendation and more responsibility and a hefty common portion of our Master's joy. So no matter what your job is, if you are faithful with it, you can expect to share in the happiness of Jesus Christ. Of course, the opposite is true as well. Those who are unbelievers, those who do not trust the Lord Jesus and do not show up for work, cannot expect to be rewarded. Quite the opposite. Verse 24. 
Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seeds. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. This guy almost seems mad at the master, doesn't he? Why'd you give me this job? I don't love you. I don't trust you. I'm just scared of you. So I disobeyed you. Here's your stuff back. I didn't do what you asked. Verse 26. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So, you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? You think that I exploit people, do you? Well then, if you're so scared of me, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers at least, so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. In other words, what have you been doing? This master's been gone a long time, and this guy has nothing to show for it. Just an assignment that he didn't lift a little finger to do. What a scary phrase to hear from the Lord Jesus. You wicked, lazy servant. You sluggard. You slacker. You have been worthless. He actually calls him worthless or useless. Verse 28. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The condemnation of the, of the judgment. Unbelievers will lose the life and talents and assignments and treasures and all kinds of other gifts that they have received in common grace if they will not trust the Lord Jesus and show they trust the Lord Jesus by obeying the Lord Jesus. But those who do believe Him and trust Him and put their faith in Him will show it by being faithful to Him. Jesus says, for everyone who has will be given more and He will have abundance. That's what I want for everybody in this room. Abundance. Now and forever. And that abundance comes as the fruit of faithfulness. If we are faithful, we will be rewarded. So are you being faithful to your calling? That's the question. If you died today, what would you expect your Master to say to you? You have been entrusted. You will be held accountable. What would you hear? What do you want to hear? What do you need to change now to know that you will hear it then? Whatever your job is, whatever your callings in life, they are callings of the King. And He wants you to be faithful to do them in anticipation of His return. Friends, that's how we live in these last days. Watchful, but not passive actively busy with our business for the King, ready for Him to return and inspect the troops at any time. Yesterday, my son Peter got a buck. 
his first deer and our family's first buck, and I'm pretty proud of him. I'll bet many of you have been wondering how I'd work it into the sermon this week. When the buck first appeared on the horizon, I was on my phone. Now, I didn't take a gun. I took two boys with guns, and I took my phone. I was shopping for health insurance with my freezing little fingers and wasn't really hunting. But my son Peter was. He was watching, watching. He was ready. He wasn't just sitting there. He was active. He had his eyes peeled and he was scanning the horizon. He was busy doing what he was supposed to be doing. And he taps me on the shoulder. And it paid off. We didn't know the day or the hour that the buck was coming. That that buck was going to come through. If I had known, my phone would have been in my pocket. But Peter was ready. And now I can say to him, Well done, son. Good job. How much more should we be watchful and ready and expectant and busy doing our jobs so that we can hear our Master say, Well done, good and faithful servants. Come and share in my happiness. May it be true of all of us. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that a light is going on in someone's heart and they're saying, oh, this life I've been given, it's not for me. It's for Him. I want to be faithful with it now. So I entrust it into the Savior's hands. Jesus can be my Lord. I want to be faithful to do what He's called me to do. Would you save somebody right now, Lord? That they would turn from their sins and trust in the Savior and get busy living for Jesus. I pray for all of us that we would be living with that mindset embedded in our hearts. That whether we're living in the last days or the last of the last days, it doesn't matter. We're to be living a certain way. Expectant, watchful, and busy doing our jobs. Would you help us, Lord, to do that? Would you give us that grace? We pray for it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.